It's Monday, February 6th, 2023. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, SpaceX's Starship rocket might be attempting its first ever orbital launch next month. Plus, a look back at another space billionaire's brief appearance in the Soda Wars with Virgin Cola. And a quick update on that AI Seinfeld cartoon. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. It's been years in the making, but SpaceX might be conducting their Starship rocket's first ever orbital launch next month. Starship is their super heavy lift rocket and spacecraft that's been designed with the intention of one day carrying humans into deep space, specifically Mars. But before that, a version of Starship will be used by NASA as a human landing system to take astronauts from lunar orbit to the surface of the moon on Artemis 3 and 4. Speaking of Artemis, much fanfare was made over Artemis 1 and the debut flight of NASA's new Space Launch System, or SLS, rocket, which stands at 322 feet tall, taller than Big Ben. Starship is even bigger. Clocking in at 394 feet tall and with almost twice as much thrust, according to SpaceX. Starship also differs from the other super heavy lift rocket in that it uses liquid methane and oxygen instead of liquid hydrogen and oxygen. Liquid methane can be stored at more manageable temperatures and isn't as prone to leaks as liquid hydrogen, a constant challenge for NASA launches, as you may remember from the many scrubbed launch attempts for Artemis 1. Starship is also being designed to eventually be reusable. This has been Elon Musk's big thing since he first got into the space game, creating reusable rockets that will significantly lower the cost of space travel. And like I said, it's not just about helping out NASA with lunar landings. The primary version of Starship will be used to take humans to Mars. The goal is a fleet of starships taking one million people to the Red Planet by 2050. Quoting Mashable, To be clear, Musk doesn't just want to establish a place for people to visit, but a self-sustaining city. He imagines that, with a bit of warming, humans could restore a thick atmosphere and oceans on Mars, making it a more hospitable environment, even able to grow crops. The spacecraft would be spacious enough for 100 passengers, along with their luggage, plus the materials to build homes, businesses, rocket fuel stations, and iron foundries. The journey getting there would be long, Musk said, but the Starship would have entertainment, such as zero-gravity games, movies, lectures, and a restaurant. End quote. Although, if all goes to plan, they wouldn't need to plan out too long of a lecture schedule. While rovers have historically taken about seven months to reach Mars, Musk has said in the past that SpaceX and Starship will be able to do it in less than three. There's a lot of question marks around all of that, and it is all a long ways off, no matter what various deadlines have been over the years. Right now, they are focused on the first launch of Starship. 
And even that isn't entirely certain yet. There have been a number of potential orbital test flight launch dates for Starship over the past year and a half, but when Musk tweeted over the weekend that they plan to attempt a launch in March if all remaining tests go well, many space reporters seem to think that it will actually happen this time. And that's mostly because last month the company completed a wet dress rehearsal, which they said was successful. That is a very strong sign that they're actually close to a launch this time. But more tests do still remain to be done, quoting Engadget. Among the tests SpaceX still needs to carry out, the most crucial is a static firing of all the Super Heavy Stage's 33 Raptor engines. To date, the company has never ignited more than 14 of the engines at once. That will need to change for SpaceX to obtain the go-ahead for an orbital test flight from the Federal Aviation Administration. As of the end of January, there were signs SpaceX was preparing to carry out the static test fire as early as the first week of February. That didn't happen. However, Musk's comment would seem to indicate SpaceX will attempt the test sooner rather than later. End quote. When it does launch, it won't be from the Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida, but rather at SpaceX's own spaceport in Boca Chica, Texas. Like with Artemis 1's launch of the SLS and Orion, it is entirely possible that this first launch will not succeed. That's just what happens with brand new rockets. And Musk has been very clear about these expectations. He said on a video call with a National Academies panel in 2021, quote, There's a lot of risk associated with this first launch, so I would not say that it is likely to be successful, but I think we will make a lot of progress. End quote. He reiterated that sentiment over the weekend, tweeting, quote, Success is far from certain, but excitement is guaranteed. End quote. And while most eyes are on Starship for good reason, there are a number of other companies with new rockets they're hoping to get off the ground in 2023 as well. United Launch Alliance, based in Denver, has their Vulcan Centaur, a heavy lift rocket meant to replace the Atlas V and Delta IV. It will carry satellites and other spacecraft to Earth orbit. French company Ariana Space has been working on a booster called the Ariana 6 to replace their heavy lift rocket, the Ariana 5, and the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency has a booster called H3 that they will be launching on February 12th. As Denise Chow at NBC News notes, beyond this year, there are even more private companies developing rockets, like Relativity Space's 3D printed rocket and ABL Space Systems, who's working on a successful launch of their RS-1 after a failed launch last month. So the skies are busy as ever. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding expectations, simplifying lives, and establishing legacies that last for generations. Leverage their exclusive network of experts to help achieve your personal and professional financial goals. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect to a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. Well, you know who's not sending a rocket into space next month? Billionaire Richard Branson. 
His Virgin Orbit, the U.S.-based satellite launch company that is separate from Virgin Galactic, is currently slated for another summer launch, but it's been mired in cash flow problems and botched launches. And listen, like I mentioned Musk saying about Starship, success in space is tough. I don't really judge Virgin Orbit for having troubles at all. And in fact, it's sometimes reassuring to see otherwise very successful entrepreneurs and companies fail. You know, once someone or some entity gets to a point of colossal success, they become mythologized as a sort of King Midas, you know, with everything they create being a brilliant idea that turns to gold. But all of them had flops, especially towards the beginning. And Richard Branson is no different. A couple years ago, Ernie Smith over at Tedium reminded the world about Virgin Cola. Quoting Tedium, From its record label and record store roots, Virgin was quickly becoming an empire, one that had gained a global reputation thanks to the founding of Virgin Atlantic Airlines in 1984, and by the 90s, its logo was slowly getting used on things as diverse as inner-city trains, video games, and radio stations. Soon, that brand would be used for mobile phones, healthcare providers, and spaceships. In fact, when it was announced that Virgin Cola was coming, a spokesman for Branson delightfully suggested that Virgin-branded marijuana was on the table in 1994, end quote. So in the mid-90s, with marijuana not yet legalized in any capacity, Virgin entered the soda wars. Virgin Cola was reasonably successful over in the United Kingdom, where Inc. claims it outsold Pepsi and Coke for at least some amount of time in some markets, but taking on the Goliaths of Coca-Cola and Pepsi on their own turf in the U.S. was going to be a whole other challenge. And in terms of starting the company to begin with, here's what Branson said in his book, Losing My Virginity, How I Survived, Had Fun, and Made a Fortune Doing Business My Way, as dug up by Tedium. Quote, As usual, when people warn me against doing something once my mind is made up, I grow increasingly determined to try it. In this case, we all recognized that it would be an inch-by-inch fight along the shelves of the supermarkets, but once we established that there was minimal financial risk if we failed, we decided to proceed. End quote. And if the idea of having so much money that launching your own soda company would be a negligible mistake sounds wild, just listen to some of the marketing stunts that they pulled off in order to get people bought in on Virgin Cola. First, there were the blind taste tests. It was the 90s, after all, you couldn't sell anything without making people believe your product was better than the competitors via a blind test. They also sold one version of Virgin Cola in a bottle that was extra curvy at the top. It was called the Pammy, after Pamela Anderson. The one silver lining to this story is that Pamela Anderson herself was actually involved in the creation of the bottle and gave Branson her full permission to use her name for it. Virgin Cola also made one of, if not the, first commercial in the U.S. featuring a same-sex kiss. Just like bad take articles designed to generate clicks and discussion online today, the entire point of the ad was to get people talking. It showed two men getting married on the beach while standing on a virgin cola box as they kissed at the end of a small ceremony. 
That was the most shocking marketing stunt they did in 1998, even if it sounds fairly run-of-the-mill to us today. But there was another stunt they did in the 90s that sounds absolutely unbelievable in 2023. Richard Branson drove a tank through Times Square, knocking over three tons of Coca-Cola cans and shooting a giant Coca-Cola sign. He drove a tank through Times Square and aimed a gun at a competitor's sign, which they had preloaded with explosives to make it look like he'd really shot it. You could never get away with that today. But as Branson said in an interview with Inc., it was pre-9-11. And here's one more marketing move that shows Virgin Cola's audacity at the time. Ernie Smith at TDM got his hands on an old Virgin Cola media kit that was sent to the press, and it reads, Keep this media kit. Someday, it will be worth a lot of money. Someday, it will be known as the first Virgin Cola media kit. Someday, you'll show it to a friend, a rich friend, and they'll say, Wow, isn't this the first Virgin Cola media kit? The cola that single-handedly made an entire country boldly switch from Coke and Pepsi? End quote. It goes on like that at length, but yeah, the shtick was keep this media kit because Virgin Cola is going to be so wildly successful that this media kit will actually be worth something in the future. Smith found it at a used comic book store and bought it for $9.95. Smith also points out that the main reason people buy whichever soda or beer or whatever brand of whatever beverage that they do is more to do with marketing and price than with taste. People buy store-brand colas not because they like them, but because they're cheap. Cola is a pretty straightforward thing to produce, and even though people definitely have strong opinions about Coke versus Pepsi and diet versus regular or whatever, the truth is that the distinctions are pretty nuanced for most people. I mean, just watch any of the taste tests from the 90s. You get some people who think that one is absolutely vile and the other is delicious, but most people take a few sips of each and are really uncertain which belongs to which brand because they taste so similar to each other. And to Virgin Cola's credit, it did pretty well in those taste tests, often ranking above Coca-Cola. But if it's more about marketing, and Virgin did some pretty outstanding marketing, why couldn't they crack the U.S. market? Why aren't we drinking Virgin Cola while we talk about that amazing Virgin media kit now? Because it is also about business. And even if Virgin was a ridiculously successful international company, it was not a ridiculously successful international soda company. And Coca-Cola was. As Tedium put it, quote, As proven by his stunts, Richard Branson knew how to drive a tank. Unfortunately for Virgin Cola, Coke knew how to control an army. End quote. According to Branson, at least, the death knell came from an English woman working in Coke's head office in Atlanta who was familiar with Virgin and convinced them that they needed to take Virgin Cola as an actual threat, one that could challenge Coke worldwide, even if it didn't make a huge mark in the U.S., Quoting again from Branson's memoir, she persuaded her directors to let her set up a SWAT team in England to try and stamp us out. Within days, she and her team had moved to England. Retailers were offered unbeatable terms from Coke to take their cola over hours. Smaller retailers were threatened with the removal of Coca-Cola fridges. End quote. Now, that wasn't the end of Virgin Cola right away. It actually wasn't discontinued until 2009, but it did lead to its ultimate demise. 
Branson has since used the story of Virgin Cola as a business lesson in his many talks on entrepreneurship, and he says the main lesson is not to go into business when you're not palpably better than all the competition. Because again, with cola, there's just not that big of a difference in taste between different colas. There's not a way to stand out enough to take on the Pepsi and Coke giants. And if you want to reminisce more on the great soda wars, I'd recommend the new Netflix docuseries Pepsi Where's My Jets about the kid who tried to get Pepsi to pay up on their joke offer of a fighter jet in exchange for Pepsi points. It's a fun documentary that reminds you of all the wild marketing that Pepsi especially was pushing out back in the 90s. But you know, as for me, I'll just have a Dr. Pepper. Well, quick update for you on that AI Seinfeld parody cartoon that was running nonstop on Twitch. It's been shut down for 14 days due to violating Twitch's community guidelines. Basically, the AI generated transphobic dialogue, and none of us are really surprised. Ars Technica explains, quote, In a Discord post from the channel's creators, they explained that the malfunction occurred because of an outage from OpenAI's higher cost and better behaved Text DaVinci 003 model, which led the creators to fall back on the lower cost and less complex Text Curry 001 model to keep the show running. After one status update, an admin named Thomas wrote, I would like to add that none of what was said reflects the devs or anyone else on the staff team's opinions, end quote. The instance of dialogue occurred during one of Larry's stand-up bits, which does make me wonder how much of this AI, in addition to changing based on feedback in the stream's chat, is trained on any of Jerry Seinfeld's actual work. And, you know, notably, this 14-day ban from Twitch is more punishment than the real Jerry Seinfeld has faced for transphobic remarks in the past, so how's that for irony? But anyways, that is it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.